Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Dumb and Dumber. It did make you watch Dumb and Dumber. Yep. Mm-hmm. I finally saw Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Did you hate it? I didn't. I knew it. I knew you wouldn't hate it. It's weird because I told you that I started to watch it years ago when Dave Landau let me borrow it on DVD mm-hmm. and I didn't remember any of it at all. So I don't know how much I saw of it back then. Mm-hmm. Like I knew Basically, they were going to Aspen, and yeah. I don't know if I had it on the background and something else was going on, and I just got angry at something else and decided I was angry about the movie, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was a completely fresh new movie for me. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So, quick summary of the movie. It's two guys who are just a co- basically a couple of losers, can't really hold down jobs. One of them, Jim Carrey, is a limo driver. He drives a woman to the airport. She leaves a bag behind, which turns out to be a ransom that she was supposed to leave for kidnappers, but... He rescues the bag and is determined to get it back to the woman who is in Aspen. Chaos ensues. Yep. It was originally offered to like Steve Martin and Martin Short, and they both turned it down. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked for them. They shopped it around a lot to the point where they ended up giving it a an alternate name when they were trying to give it to studios Mm -hmm. because everyone kept saying this is the worst movie i've ever seen or i've ever read just by the script alone so it wasn't until um new line cinema Mm -hmm. decided to invest in it that it actually got made Mm -hmm. and they wanted jim carrey it was right after mask came or the mask came Mm -hmm. out and they were like well we're prepared to offer jim carrey one million dollars to do it Mm -hmm. and then uh you know if we can have this meeting with him by friday or whatever that uh ace ventura opens up and they weren't able to get the meeting with jim carrey on that friday so that following monday they had the meeting they were like okay we'll give him one million dollars and uh jim carrey's people were like uh actually 70 million dollars because of ace ventura yes yeah because that like made him the big you know that shot him into superstardom and how much do you think jeff daniels made 10 million lower are you fucking serious <laughs> yes seven million no lower three million lower one million lower did he not make money on this movie he made 
$50,000. Why? Because Jim Carrey was the big star. And in fact, all of Jeff Daniels' people told him, dude, don't do this movie. This movie will destroy your career. This movie is awful. You're not going to be able to hold your own with Jim Carrey. He's going to take all the good scenes. And Jeff Daniels was like, I don't know. I read the script and, you know, it has like the bathroom scene and the ski lift scene and yeah. the snowball scene. He's not in those scenes. So I don't see how he could take those from me. And it was only like one of his friends who had been with him for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. It was like one of his agents who was just like, hey, dude, if you want to do the movie, do the movie. And Jim Carrey specifically did not want another comedian in that role because he thought it would just be someone waiting to one up him. Yeah. He wanted a really good actor to ground it. So he really wanted Jeff Daniels. Uh And, uh, you know, the rest is history. They honestly, um, I remember that it was that it was a movie that was hard to cast. I remember learning that about it and watching it. You can really tell that, I mean, obviously, we all know Jeff Daniels is an amazing actor, but Jim Carrey's a really good actor, too. And I think it was evident in that film because he has so many times when he has to be very emotional and you can see it like in his eyes, like he's really going for it. Yeah, it makes you wonder if he learned some of that from working with Jeff Jeff Daniels. Daniels. Because Jeff Daniels, I was watching an interview with him this morning about it and he was talking about how he tried to get like really method for it and stuff (laughs) like i feel like maybe jim carrey had to have picked up some stuff i think so you know jim carrey actually had his tooth chipped in real life well it was chipped before that and he just had the cap he had the cap removed right yes yeah yeah and apparently they got along great there were no issues at all they shot each scene. The Farrelly brothers directed it. Mm-hmm. Only one of them gets credit, though, because of, I think, Director's Guild rules. Yeah. But they shot each scene basically twice as scripted. And then after that, they just said, yeah, guys, just do what you want. Mm-hmm. And everyone was encouraged to improvise. Even Billy the Blind Kid. Oh, that's funny. Got to improvise some of his lines and that's stuff like funny. that. And yeah, like everyone had a really good time making the movie. I remember seeing this in the theater and I was pretty young because it what year did it come out? It came out 1994, I want to say. So I was in about fifth grade, probably going into sixth grade. So I was like probably right at the perfect age to think this was the funniest movie in the world. And then I I watched it like I had a VHS copy in college that I would watch over and over again that my friends and I would watch. It was a movie that we quoted all the time. You know how right. <laughs> before you like develop a sense of humor, you just quote movies at each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like... I remember being in college and being like, anytime anybody was cold, saying, yeah, we're in the Rockies, (laughs) like, or just, you know, other stupid stuff like that. This is what I like about the Farrelly brothers. They have people they just have a lot of loyalty towards. Like Mm -hmm. Lynn Shay shows up in one moment in this. Mm -hmm. I think that's because her brother, Robert Shay, is the founder of New Line Cinema, Mm -hmm. which ended up greenlighting this, even though he was like, I don't like this at all. But his partner at New Line was like, oh, no, this is good. Did you know that Lynn and Robert Shea are from Detroit? I did not know that. Robert Shea went to U of M, not too far from us right now. Yeah, no, probably about 30 minutes. Yeah. And basically, he founded New Line Cinema and did stuff like he put out uh, Reefer Madness Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It was like a really struggling, kind of low budget Like the Reefer Madness... 
like satire that they put out later no he or the original the original oh my god yeah as you know a joke and everything and um it wasn't they call new line the house that freddie built because it was the nightmare on elm street Street. movies that were relatively inexpensive to make but made so much money Mm -hmm. that's what put new line on the map and let them do things like produce the lord of the rings movies and stuff like that so it just starts as this kind of thing that this law major at u of m started Mm -hmm. because he liked movies and became a thing like warner brothers owns new line now oh wow yeah that's so, so cool yeah you see lynn shay mm-hmm. i think because of that connection with mm-hmm. robert shay and this movie ending up in a lot of fairly brothers movies oh, i neat. kept looking i worked with a comedian one time named jackie flynn who's from rhode island same as the fairly brothers and he grew up with them and he ends up being in a lot of their movies oh, and fun. stuff too so you know he gets to be one of those comedians that has a lot of credits because of who (laughs) yeah and he was a really nice guy though Mm -hmm. but he is not in dumb and dumber charles wessler who is one of the big shots at new line got his start as a production assistant on empire strikes back and return of the jedi oh wow yeah that's pretty cool yeah what were some of your favorite parts of this movie like what did you really enjoy about it because you laughed a couple of times and i was surprised i knew of the bathroom scene i did not think i was going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. but i did and (laughs) you know that i have major bathroom i do yeah like Like, you won't go to the bathroom in public anywhere that scene was my nightmare yeah that it would the you would have to go to the bathroom so bad and then the toilet would be broken yeah it was great acting the sound effects were just subtle (laughs) enough yeah it it wasn't too over the top i mean like Jeff Daniels is really like going through it like he's up there in his reaction but it's not the whole scene isn't too crazy. Yeah, it's not really a graphic scene at no. all. No. Here's a funny story about that scene too. After the movie came out, Jeff Daniels ran into Clint Eastwood on a golf course. Oh no. And Clint Eastwood went up to him and he's like, "I saw your movie Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> that bathroom scene." It happened to me once. <laughs> oh, my God. I was on a date with a girl I really wanted to impress, and I must have had something bad for lunch. So <laughs> Jeff Daniels was like, hey, you know, here's this movie that everyone told me not to make. I just had the weirdest conversation with Clint Eastwood. That's so funny. I also will always, in my heart, have a soft spot for Jeff Daniels because he's from Michigan. Uh, he's from Chelsea, Michigan. And... Shout out to my my godmother, Colleen, and her family, the Walters, who one of the daughters, some of her friends, ended up going to prom with Jeff Daniels because they were going stag to prom and they were at a restaurant beforehand and Jeff Daniels was there, heard they were going by themselves and ended up going to their prom with them. I did like the snowball scene. The scenes that Jeff Daniels really liked are the same scenes that I really liked. What are some of your favorite moments from it? I really like the scene where they finally get to Aspen, but they realize that they don't know where Mary is. (laughs) And so they're out, they're standing next to the burning trash can. Uh, Jeff Daniels' character, Harry, is like, my hands are so cold, I can't feel them. And Jim Carrey's like, well, why don't you wear these extra gloves? My My hands are sweating. He's like, you had these extra gloves the whole time and he's like yeah we're in the rockies (laughs) and then jeff daniel's reaction is my favorite because he just goes i'm going to kill you 
<laughs> Jim Carrey is like, what? No, what? No, you're not. He's like, I'm going to kill you, Lloyd. And he really is like about to kill him. I love that scene so much. Because then there's also the reveal that the briefcase is full of money. Yeah. I love the montage of them getting Jim Carrey a tux (laughs) and just watching the tailor get more and more frustrated. And then when he finally comes out in the iconic orange tux, the tailor's just got like his head down. He's just like, I quit. Yeah, he's so defeated. And I love the snowball scene. Yeah, that's funny. Because 100% my brother used to do that to me. He would push my head into the (laughs) snow and like rub snow in my hair. The joys of having a a sibling of a brother. Seriously. Uh, I love it. There were some disconjointed moments in it where I felt like the whole subplot of the husband being kidnapped. I didn't even know until the end. Wait, who was kidnapped? They kind of gloss over it a little bit, you know, because obviously the money is ransom. And then there's the scene with uh, Mary's family where you kind of see that the guy who's basically trying to con them out all their money is like a family friend, um, Mr. Andre. Yeah, played by the late Charles Rocket. Yes. So they have him kind of come in and be like, listen, don't, you know, we shouldn't call the cops. We don't know what's going to happen to them. I feel like everything that wasn't Harry and Lloyd, I had no idea what was going on (laughs) for the most part. You have great actors like Charles Rocket and Mm -hmm. Terry Garr, Mm -hmm. and you're not really doing much with them. Like Terry Garr is a great comedic actress, too. Yes. Charles Rocket, this is really sad. Do you know about his death? No, I don't know about his death. Well, first of all, he was part of the much maligned Saturday Night Live cast back in 1981, Mm -hmm. where... It was the one season without Lauren Michaels. Mm-hmm. He, oh, right. Yeah. Charles Rocket dropped an f bomb on the air and ended up getting fired the next week. But a lot of people from the show got fired. Yeah, that next week. I always was led to believe that that was what made Charles Rocket want to kill himself. But Saturday Night Live was actually his first credit. Like after that, he went on to do things like he was a reoccurring character on Moonlighting. He's in Earth Girls Are Easy. He's in Dances with Wolves. He had a really solid career and actually didn't end up killing himself until 2004. Oh, geez. He went out in October... He was in Connecticut with his family Mm -hmm. and went out to a field and cut his own throat. What a brutal way to go. Jesus Christ, man. No suicide note. Immediately, my brain, probably just from being married to you, went to, oh, well, foul play. Yeah. But no, there's not even really speculation. I didn't see anything out there online of people saying, well, what really happened? Mm -hmm. And I listened to the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. He had someone on who they were both friends with Charles Rocket Mm -hmm. and they were talking. He just had some demons. And mm. it's really sad. What a what a brutal, brutal way Jesus. to kill yourself. That's awful. I also really liked the muscles played by uh, Duff from MTV, yeah. Karen Duffy, <laughs> and Mike Starr. I felt like her character disappeared a lot. Yeah, she just kind of popped up here and there. It was She was really just kind of like, we need someone to deliver these lines. So they would just kind of pop her in. That character was originally written for a man, too. Oh, really? Yeah. But she was a big advocate for the movie. Mm -hmm. And because that's around the peak of her popularity from being on MTV and Mm -hmm. stuff. They were just like, hey, you want to be in our movie? So cool. Yeah. She 
hasn't done too much because she actually has neurosarcoidosis, which is sort of like a neurological disease that paralyzes you, like mostly, I guess, in the face. But I saw a picture with her and her son and she had a cane. Mm -hmm. So she still does voiceover work. She Mm -hmm. does a voice in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, cool. Charles Rocket actually did a voice of a Star Wars character that was really cool in the Star Wars Starfighter video games. Cool. Which I didn't know was him. Mm-mm. Character named Nim, who was really neat. Okay. Mike Starr, of course, is yes. in Barry Gordy's Last, Last Dragon. Dragon. Oh. He has an interesting story, too, because he's one of those character actors who I really, really like. Mm-hmm. He plays Mental in this movie. Yes. And he was basically a bouncer at a bar where they filmed the Al Pacino homoerotic thriller Cruisin. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up playing a bouncer in that movie. You know, since then, yeah, he's been in Barry Gordy's Last Dragon and yeah. Dumb and Dumber, but he's also worked with like Scorsese, mm-hmm. Woody Allen. Yeah, he's a very recognizable face. Like, if you see him, you'll be like, oh, that guy is yeah. like a character actor. I always uh, confuse him with Danny Aiello sometimes. Oh, I can see that. I can see why you would do that. They're sort of similar looking. They were really funny. The two of them. Yeah. Just like, I mean, and they only have a couple of scenes together. And Mental is, actually has the original realization that the guys have no idea. Because the the thugs and everybody think that they're like professionals, that they're like working to like steal this money, that they're like these hired thugs. And Mental's the one who realizes like, no, they're just two idiots who were in the wrong place at the wrong time and picked up the wrong bag. And didn't even know what was in it and at did, the time. And had no idea what was in it. Then he's trying to poison them at, at their meal. But <laughs> like lots of stupid idiots, they prank him by putting a bunch of spicy pre- peppers on his burger. So he bites into it, immediately has like an episode because of his ulcer. And when they're grabbing pills out of his pocket, they grab the poison <laughs> instead that of he his- was going to poison Poison them them with with. yeah Yeah. so mike star was also an uncle buck written and directed by john hughes yeah and john hughes wrote one of the early drafts of this movie apparently oh neat yeah that's cool uncredited oh well yeah. yeah i love the dog van in this movie i saw that dog van when this was out i saw it in downtown birmingham i guess jeff daniel's must have been driving it around probably was as promoting like, the movie yeah so i saw the dog van in real life i did not i am very jealous of you <laughs> <laughs> because the dog i love the way that he has to fill it up with gas is that he has to lift the dog leg mm-hmm. up so there's a woman in the movie who they kind of run into at a gas station who's also going to Aspen, who shows up again later in the movie as just some dumb girl who's complaining about breaking up with her boyfriend and just seems really crazy. Credited only as athletic beauty. Yes. It's Victoria Rowell. Okay, Victoria Rowell. She's so, on Young and the Restless. Ooh. You later find out that she's actually an FBI agent who's been following them because they're trying to figure out who's been blackmailing the Swanson family. It's a fun reveal that she's actually like just playing a part, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that she's actually like, we've been, you know, following you because we know that you could lead us to whoever was blackmailing the Swanson family, which I think is great. That was another one of those reveals where I'm like, really? We didn't set this up at all? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I felt like they really focused so much 
on Lloyd and Harry that they really didn't care about the rest of the plot. No, I mean, there was only the only other time that they did anything where you know that the police are on to them is in the beginning of the movie where they're driving across the country and it's after mental dies that they set up a roadblock and then they accidentally drive the wrong way. So they miss the roadblock, which happened to me. I know. <laughs> I took comedian Jeff Ford, who is one of the sweetest people. Sweet angel. In the whole wide world mm -hmm. to Florida with me for some shows and then Alabama. And on the way back, because we're goofballs, we stopped in Kentucky for KFC. Oh, my <laughs> <for> God. <lunch. laughs> and Jeff said, uh, uh, you, you want me to drive? And I was so exhausted because I drove the entire time. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then uh, I fell asleep before we even got on the expressway. And then a couple hours later, Jeff woke me up and uh, said, uh, I, I think we're going the wrong way. And I was like, why do you think that, Jeff? And he goes, because uh, the signs have been saying south for the last two hours. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. I didn't yell at him, though. I know. He's too sweet. He is too sweet. Jeff Daniels got mad in the movie. Well, Harry got mad and sat in a field. Right. Angrily. With his butt half With out. With his butt half out, which I think is a solid laugh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can see how this movie is probably one of your dad's favorite movies. Um, You know, I'm not sure. Oh, really? If he really likes it. I always got the feeling he wasn't a big fan of Jim Carrey. Oh. Like, my dad doesn't really like Jim Carrey, doesn't really like Will Ferrell. Oh, okay. The only Will Ferrell movie he likes is um, Step Brothers. Hmm. And I think it's mostly because he really likes John C. Riley. This humor is right up your dad's alley, though. Yeah, he likes Jeff Daniels. I don't. I don't think he really likes Jim Carrey, though. I think that's the thing. Oh, okay, Jim Carrey's a really good physical actor. He is, and he doesn't do a ton of physical comedy in this. But there's little things that he does, like the way he, at the very beginning turns his head when he has his head poked out of the yeah. limo window, and like it's gets not his nose kind of going up with the window as it rolls up yeah like he can still subtly do physical humor because like you remember when he was on in living color right yeah he was very like broad physical hum like um fire marshal bill mm -hmm. was <laughs> and the mask before this, the mask yeah which i've never seen but it's just all really you know what i read the comic books i was a big fan of uh -huh. the comic books and the comic books are so much darker than the movie yeah the movie is pretty light yeah because it's i think it was aimed at families yeah I, I just like the source material more okay i'm one of those guys uh nerd um yeah. <laughs> But then Ace Ventura Pet Detective came out, and he was very broad and physical Right, in which that. I've seen that. Yeah. Do you know who's in Ace Ventura? Who? Our buddy, Carl LeBeau. Oh, yeah. yay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I haven't either. One of the things I like in this movie is, like you said, like he still does a lot of the subtle like physical things, but I really like that he didn't go so over the top. Yeah. He was he was pulled back a little bit. Like one of the... <laughs> One of the things I really like is that after um, Harry and Mary spend the day together skiing and stuff, and he drops her off, and then Lloyd, it's revealed that he sees them together, and he looks so heartbroken, and then he just starts to dry heave a little bit. 
It's not funny. Arguably, he gave the better role, the funnier role on paper to Jeff Daniels. That's true. Yeah. Because Jeff Daniels has a lot more physical stuff that he gets to do in the movie. Yeah, he does. But I think Jeff Daniels does it so well because he, he too, isn't going over the top. No. And I guess he really struggled, he said, with figuring out how to play the character. And Jim Carrey helped him with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I really like that it seemed like a very pleasant experience for everyone who made it. Yeah, they really, they were very, they had good chemistry. They were matched very well together. And I think that the movie was just so, I mean, I I loved it. I still love it. It's still very funny to me. <laughs> did you know that Lauren Holly and Jim Carrey were only married for a year? Yes, I did. I thought it lasted longer. No, no, it was very brief. Here's a joke that I really like that I generally don't like this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The frozen snot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. When they get to Aspen. <laughs> yeah. I like when uh, Jim Carrey gets up off of the little mini bike and Jeff Daniels is frozen to him because he's peed. Mm-hmm. So he's <laughs> just frozen to the back of him. Yep. Hey, pull over. I, I got to take a leak. He's like, just go, man. <laughs> just go. That was one of those subtle payoffs that reminded me of the subtle pee joke in Strange Brew. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Do you think it holds up? Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think so, too. You, knowing more about sports, had to point out who played sea bass. Hockey player Cam Neely plays sea bass, which I remember when this came out, it was a, that was a big deal. I think that was the one thing my dad was excited about. He's like, it's Cam Neely, who I believe he played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know, but apparently people still yell out to him, kick his ass, sea bass. That's hilarious. Yeah. And he talked about how he just kind of remembered the people that he grew up with to find that character. And he was like, oh. And having the wardrobe really helped a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Sorry. He played for the Boston Bruins. I knew it was one that was black and yellow. And he played for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. But he was was in the um, Hockey Hall of Fame. The scene where they scam Seabass to pay for their bill. And Harry asks Lloyd, how did you know to do that? And Lloyd's like, oh, I saw it in a movie once. The movie is something wild. And the guy who pulls the stunt is Jeff Daniels. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so... I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. I also like the reveal that Seabass is, like, closet gay. <laughs> right. Which is... Which is... I didn't get that. He, like, kicks open the door, and he's like, hey, ooh, it's you. Even better. Like, <laughs> right. And Jim Carrey is just, like, on the floor sucking his thumb like please no apparently there's alternate versions where harry is asking lloyd more like why were you in the bathroom (laughs) stall with half naked sea bass oh that's funny yeah i found this out afterwards that the hotel that this was filmed in is the stanley hotel which is the inspiration for stephen king to write the shining Mm -hmm. and you'll like this apparently Jim Carrey insisted on staying in room 217, which is the room from the book, not from the movie. It's 237 in the movie. Uh, It's 237 in the movie. After about three hours in that room, Jim Carrey ran out of the room, left the hotel, and won't tell anyone why. Now, Jim Carrey's also a bit of a practical joker, so who knows 
if something did legitimately freak him out or yeah. if he was like, oh, this will make an interesting story later. Yeah. Or if maybe that's just a story that tour guides tell yeah. at the hotel. But I thought that was kind of interesting. That is kind of interesting. I would stay in room 217 at the Stanley. I'm sure it's a really hard room to get. Um, I believe it's booked out like year, like a, at least a year in advance. It's okay. very hard to get that room. I don't know if I would stay in that. Really? I, I don't know if I would be able to. Oh, I'd go in there. I'd get some uh, Jameson and... Uh, get drunk and talk to ghosts. Get drunk and... Uh, talk to Joe Turkle. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do that. No, thank you. Make you and Benji sit there and watch my descent into madness. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was very cool that, that they shot some stuff at the Stanley. That's pretty neat. I would love to stay at the hotel. I don't know if I would stay in that room, but... Here, let me bring it back down again. So, Charles Rocket isn't the only person in this movie to kill himself. On the TV screen, when they're watching the... There's a TV commercial that they're watching, and in it, or a movie... I thought it was a movie, but online it's saying a commercial. But yeah, it's a Jonathan commercial. Brandis yeah, Jonathan Brandis. Is... On the screen, and uh, I thought he just died of cancer. No, Jonathan Brandis killed himself. Yeah, Jonathan Brandis was in Sequest 2032 with Roy Scheider from Jaws and ended up killing himself when he was only 27 years old because he battled with depression and drank a lot. Depression plus drinking is usually a bad move because right. treating depression with a depressant is yeah. brings you lower. He was in It. Yes, I did know that. TV series the, it. Yeah. And Ladybugs, which is a movie your dad probably I does do like. I do remember. You know what? I know exactly who you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sad. Yeah. Mm. The Curse of Dumb and Dumber. No, I don't think so. I like the ending, too, that... They're j- they just kind of end back up where they were before, if not a little worse off. I did see that scene before. Oh, the with bikini. the bus with the uh, Hawaiian tropic, yeah, girls or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I do like that. They are still. They didn't end up on a bus with a bunch of bikini models. That they just ended up on a road together. They wanted to shoot that version, and Jim Carrey absolutely refused. I honestly think that would have ruined it. Yep. I think that was a good call. Mm-hmm. Because putting them in a better position after they basically after they basically spent the entire movie spending money that wasn't theirs. <laughs> when they realize that there's money in the briefcase, they're like, "Okay, we're obvi- we're sleeping outside. Obviously, we need somewhere to stay." And they're like, "Okay, we're just going to take a little bit of money so that we have somewhere to stay." And then they end up staying in like the presidential suite at the fanciest hotel in Aspen, and they buy a Lamborghini, and then they. <laughs> The outfits that they have are insane. Their tips are $100 bills and, you know, they're just throwing around money that's not theirs. (laughs) So I think it would have been kind of gross to see them end up in a bus full of beautiful women. Mm -hmm. That it's funnier that they're like, there's a town back that way. I'm sure you'll find a couple of guys. And then they just end up just the two of them on a road, you know. Ends like a Western. Yeah. It came down to basically two people for the role of Harry at the end. Jeff Daniels or Harlan Williams, who ends up playing the state cop. He does. I like that they went with Jeff Daniels. Not that Harlan Williams isn't really funny, but I think they needed the heavy hitter like Jeff Daniels. Yeah, and even Harlan Williams says, oh, if I had been in that role, it would have been all over the place. It wouldn't have been good. He's like, I'm glad that they threw a little something at me. He has a great little scene in that. Uh, (laughs) 
he has to drink pee. <laughs> Obviously not real pee, but I, I did like when he goes, give me that beer. And Jim Carrey goes to hand it over. And he, as he picks it up, he gets a little bit on Jeff Daniels' shirt. <laughs> and Jeff, you see Jeff Daniels just go like, God damn it, you fucking got your pee on me. And Jim Carrey just kind of wipes it off a little bit and then hands the thing over. It's so funny. Now, when we were watching this, I was multitasking at the beginning because I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to like this. I don't remember in the Harlan Williams scene what was actually shown, but in the making of documentary Mm -hmm. that I saw this morning, they showed an example of shooting a scene as scripted and then letting Harlan Williams do his thing Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it was really neat getting to watch two different versions of that scene. So what was in the movie is, you know, obviously he pulls, you know, he sees them. Does he make fun of them? Like, you chip tooth? He doesn't, actually. Then they cut out the scene where he got to riff he does kind of make fun of them a little but i can't remember but i think he kind of just calls him a goon or something like that Mm. i forget but he goes to take a swig of the beer and they're like no no no, no, don't do that and he's like shut up you stupid dumb you know right and then takes the (laughs) obviously takes a swig and then they're just like sorry like jim carrey he's one of those really good physical comedians yeah which is neat because both he and jim carrey started as just traditional monologuist stand-up comedians yeah but yeah when harlan williams does that little yeah like like, (laughs) i'm like man he's like a human cartoon he is he is in um one of my other favorite movies from when i was younger half-baked yeah. And he's so funny because he's really not in the movie a ton because he's the one who gets arrested that they have to bail out. And it's such an ensemble cast. It is. An so many people. in that Yeah, movie. exactly. Oh, my God. But when he's feeding the horse, he's so funny. Like when the horse keels over, he's like, no, nah! like he's so funny. <laughs> Just having to react to a horse dying. A few years ago, Maria Bamford came out with her stand up special where it's just like her in her parents living room yes and they're the entire audience yeah and everyone's like oh it's so different and everything even before that harlan williams recorded a stand-up special where it's him alone in the middle of the desert that's amazing to do that with no audience reaction Mm -hmm. is very that's intense yeah that's pretty cool it's kind of hard to watch but i i need the laughs when like with the quarantine, all the comedians doing stuff on, oh, Zoom, on Zoom and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, because I feel like so much of the time when you're doing stand up, you're kind of reacting off of the audience too, like their reaction. And you can kind of feel that energy. Like it is hard, I would say, to just do it to nothing. Right. And even for as long as I've been doing this, I have a pretty decent idea of what's funny and what's not. But at the start of this quarantine, someone tagged me in a Facebook thing where they wanted you to basically post a video of a joke you were working on as the quarantine happened. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And still to this day, I mean, not that I've gotten to perform in front of an audience yet Mm -hmm. again, but I don't know that I have the same confidence in that joke because just performing it in front of my phone in the living room, yeah. in the family room upstairs, I was like, oh, maybe this joke is garbage. Yeah. Like, no, no one's laughing because there's no one in the room with you, dummy. It is hard to 
just because it makes you laugh, sometimes it doesn't make anyone else laugh. But also, you know. Well, not for me. Oh, my God, anyway. I'm really good. So I think the movie holds up. And Did you ever see Dumb and Dumber 2? No, I didn't. Me neither. I think I didn't want to um, spoil the magic. I was worried that it wouldn't work. You know, sometimes lightning only I strikes once, you know? That's why I've only seen the original Star Trek movie with the bald girl. <sighs> anyway. I've only seen Star Wars A New Hope. I'm going to go take a nap. My head hurts. Um <laughs> But, well, I'm glad that you ended up liking this because you really were not looking forward to watching it at all. Well, the choices you gave me last night were the Super Mario Brothers movie or Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're basically asking me, do I want to get poked in the eye or kicked in the nuts? Like, yeah. I don't want either. But yeah, I ended up liking Dumb and Dumber. Yes. it's a And I like... Night at the Roxbury. Your batting average right now is pretty decent. I understand that a lot of these movies are, I mean, you're not going to watch them in film school. <laughs> you know, they're not brilliant in any way, but they're fun. And I think that that's what I was looking for in film when I was very young. It was yeah. just, I'm just looking for something that's fun and makes me laugh. And sometimes I think the subtleties in this movie informed my humor a little bit. Little things like, yeah, we're in the Rockies is a quip, a type of quip that I think I've carried into my adult life. Yeah. And your stand up too. Yeah. It's a sarcastic delivery of an earnest line. Yes. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy it very much. So I'm yeah. really, I'm really glad that you liked it. And, you know, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun movie and I think everyone should watch it. Well, I guess I have to tear up these divorce papers now. <laughs> oh my God. Don't even try to leave. I will fucking tie you what up in our base. What am I going to do? My hair is gray now. Oh, you are marginally famous. Not anymore. <laughs> You are a little. What's the last thing I've done that's... You had Eddie Pepitone on your podcast. Yeah. You're friends with some famous people. Yeah, but so what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean... And I'm friendly with some famous people. I'm not friends with famous people. There's a big difference. Okay, fair. I'm really enjoying doing this podcast with you. I'm really enjoying it, too. I'm having a very good time doing it. I feel like I have more fun, though, when one of us hates the movie. We've been getting along too much lately. Oh, you're right. I'm going to have to throw something really awful at you next week. Is this going to be like Streets of Fire where I turn to you five minutes in and say, how long is this movie? Oh, yeah. No. I don't want to. Whatever I show you next week, you will wish was Streets of Fire. I can't wait. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.